Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast, and part two of our Dear Brother Watch Along. This week we covered episodes 8 through 15. My name is Vry Kaiser. I am the managing content editor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter, at Writer Vry, where I post my freelancing work, or you can find the podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And with me once again today are Chiaki, Mercedes, and our special guest, Diana. If y'all want to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Chiaki Hirai, one of the editors for Anifem. You can find me at Chiaki747 or Animated Empress on Twitter. Spiritually, uh, I am uh, a Ray, but technically I'm probably a Tomoko. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Mercedes, and I am the Black sorority member at the school. <laughs> God. Okay, I wasn't supposed to laugh. I was supposed to like have a very serious opening. Um, I'm a staff editor at Anime Feminist, and you can find me at Pixelated Lenses on Twitter, where I am exactly this level of silly and dramatic. Hi. Hi, I'm Diana. I am at Silence Drowns on Twitter. I am here as a special guest because this series has eaten my brain and I enjoyed it. I am here to say I don't care how much awful things she does, Mariko is wonderful. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. We have the we're opening with the Mariko Defense Squad. She did nothing wrong. She did a lot of things wrong. She did, she did some things wrong, y'all. Like, did, I love her. She did so much wrong, but in a way that makes me love I, her anyway. I do not like... <laughs> she did nothing wrong. My child is perfect. <laughs> nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong. She tried to kidnap somebody. I, who in high school did not have the desire to, like... Okay, but you didn't do it. <laughs> nor did I have the desire, but... Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Mariko is a victim here. It's of the poor press. The culprit. The culprit is society. Yes, I, I realize. Exactly. See, Chiaki gets me. I'm being facetious. I'm, oh, I'm going to pretend that you're not. Okay. Before we. Before we get into it proper, I do want to uh, do what I suspect is going to be an ongoing segment for this series, where I do updated content warnings for this patch of episodes. <laughs> so, in addition to the ones we mentioned in the first episode, this batch of episodes comes with new content warnings for uh, pseudo-incest, in that it's sort of just nebulously defined longing in the same way that all of the lesbianism in this series can only be vaguely defined uh disordered eating drug use self-harm and general ableism that i think we will drill down into as we go oh as well as a uh, romanticized discussion of suicide i think that covers everything and uh diana you wanted to do a quick update about the photosensitivity issues yes the worst photosensitivity issues in the series, if as far as I can remember, take place in this batch during episodes 10 and 11. There are scenes outside with lightning and thunder, and they can get pretty awful. However, it is entirely viable, as I just tested this week, to whenever you see the outdoor night shots where it looks like it's going to be storming, just look away and then only look at the screen when audio is being spoken to read the subtitles. You should be fine, especially if you do that in a brightly lit room. There is almost no simultaneous talking and flashing. That's really good to know. Thank yes. you. Mm. I did not want a migraine. I did not want the migraine that might have given me. Oh, fair. No. Mm -hmm. No, that sounds like it would be bad, actually. Do we want to, so do we start with uh, the first disaster lesbian and who finishes up her uh, arc? As it turns out, I guess we're just handing off the torch of extremely intense women who have feelings about Nanako over the course of this show. So let's start with Mariko. Yes. <laughs> I, girl, please. There's so much. There is a lot happening here. There are, as they say, layers. <laughs> layers is there. Uh, I, 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 I actually, 
I guess to start at the end, I was really heartened how, like, on the one hand, it is a little bit hilarious to me that after the after she they managed to make up, it's just kind of like, and this arc is over, and it's fine now, and she's perfectly incorporated into the friend group. But on the other hand, I do also really, really enjoy that Mariko and Tomiko, Tomoko seem to have become friends specifically, because... Because Mariko, it deserves friends in addition to her way too intense crush. Like, that's nice. I think she's been ignored, like, her entire life, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. she's never had a real friend. And therefore, yes, seeing her with Tomoko is 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 a positive thing. And I, I don't know how Nanako can choose to forgive her and continue to be friends with her but hey you know what okay she's mellowed out at the end i'm kind of glad i think it's because nanako sees the good in literally everyone and it's just like if i friend them hard enough i can help them but like nanako sweetie (laughs) nanako sweetie you can't do that to everyone i think like it's it's extremely uh protagonist syndrome but I actually do kind of like that scene where she has, where Nanako has that breakthrough of, oh man, other people are, go, other people have shit too. I never thought about that because that's so real as a teenager, that ongoing process of learning to empathize with other people. And in Nanako's case, maybe she forgives more than a real person in real would do. I was thinking this whole thing, I'm like, thinking about back in high school how many people I forgave when I shouldn't and I was just like yeah this this seems about right so um mm, yeah. I don't know I'm still I still hold grudges from high school <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I take it they know what they did oh they 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 threatened my dog death oh yeah no that's fair okay that anyway fair. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. no I in in and I think I think there's something still really charming about Nanako being so kind of naive. Like she's definitely wisening up to the ways of like the world and the dynamics of her school life. But like, it is kind of nice that she's just actually like a really sweet girl who has a deep sense of justice and like, you know, wasn't scared by her friend who had a bit of a moment because once again, Mariko did nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> Just had moment. like a bit of an emotional, you know, emotional. Let's call it disruption. Where she and uh, you know, threatened to to kill to, to she, enact a murder well, suicide. She just didn't want Nanako going out while it was raining. She let's let's dial this back a bit. Let's dial this back a bit. When did this start? She realizes she first realizes she's angry at Nanako when she finds out she went to the movies with Tomoko. Fair, because she didn't get invited. Yeah, and then and then goes home and rips up the cloth that she bought for home ec for her. Fair, fair is, because is this... it has a bad memory attached to it. <laughs> I just have to say, I really wish they had gone a little more realistic with the sound effect of ripping cloth because <laughs> yeah. it is such a nice noise. I feel cheated out of the actual noise. Oh God! It sounded like it sounded like Marika was ripping some Dollar Tree like gift wrap it was really funny <laughs> and then in the most important moment of all i think we can agree uh marco does flip over a fully loaded table y'all despite being yeah. maybe 80 pounds soaking wet i got up out and of my starving desk chair. i got up out of my desk chair like i was at the super bowl <laughs> like, i was like yes let this child flip tables <laughs> I gotta say i there is a really good article on uh okazu that i'll include in the show notes uh, where Erica Friedman did kind of a survey of the influence of Freudian thought and psychoanalysis generally on the Yuri genre. And uh, she name drops Dear Brother specifically. But boy, was I thinking about that when we got into stuff about Mariko's not he's not just disgraced as a pornographer. He's an absent father. And she's angry at her mom for not disciplining her. And I was like, Ikeda, are you having thoughts about how about this girl's uh, unnatural what? desires and her lack of uh, reliable parental figures? Are you just exploring that as a thought experiment? <laughs> no. Like, and I mean, like, obviously, okay, Mariko did do a little bad because she's hurting. <laughs> she's hurting a lot. 
genuinely, I do feel a lot of empathy for her. It, but it, it yeah. does, does it excuse what she did? I guess not. But like, <laughs> yeah, I there is a lot of empathy because like she is at base like a teenager who's just really really hurting and has like no structure in her life her mother who like i don't know i'm still not fully convinced it was her mother at one point i was like is this just a maid that like her absent father pays to take care of her because like they do not have like a mother-daughter relationship yeah Um, (laughs) like she has a mother who's kind of like who just pleases her and like her birthday was really sad because ain't no ain't nobody coming to that birthday at the rose room like oh it was just it just absolutely hurts to see that scene like mm-hmm. mariko's mother got a string quartet <laughs> i will say my partner has apparently been in nanako's position and it is the most uncomfortable thing in the entire world where you get invited to a birthday party where you learn when you arrive that no one else was invited oh yeah there's nothing like that that's happened to me before it is not fun bonus points though you get a real good goodie bag so and then mariko decides to stop eating which is extremely teenage and and i and it 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 made me this is one of those moments where it kind of made me flash back to like teaching in japan because Mm. like as a high school teacher i witnessed a lot of disordered eating Right. Like I witnessed students who would be like, I'd be like, what did you have for breakfast? I had like a bagel and a smoothie and cereal. And they would be like, I had natto and kimchi. And I would be like, you had, pardon me, child who needs like, you know, nutrients to grow. Um, kimchi is good. It is. But like if you're eating, if you're already eating very little, it's not a lot. For like a grown body i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna diss kimchi i'll diss natto but i'm not gonna it, it's just one of those things of like you know in summertime especially you would see young you know female students on like these crash diets and of course it would result in like at summer you know like meetings or rallies for like into the year like at least one of them would pass out because they hadn't had enough food and mm. whereas there's Whereas I feel like it was often based on image, like Mariko's just on a hunger strike. And she is there not going to eat until Nanako says something. And the fact that, like, she doesn't even tell Nanako that she's doing this it's is so, so much. Girl, so, she's so emotionally. It's so, it feels so emotionally accurate, though, in a way. Like, I don't know. I mean, not that, and not that necessarily everybody has done that, but the kind of, big feelings that she's having it just yes that is what being a teenager can feel like sometimes just the smallest things making you feel like this is the end of the world well and and i get the logic even of like if she really cared about me she'll notice that i look unwell she'll ask Mm -hmm. about it and then she'll have to talk to me my heart just breaks at the point where she's sit where nanako stops calling her and She's Mariko's just sitting by the phone going, Oh, I wish you had called me just one more time. And I'm like, Oh, baby, baby, please. That was perhaps the saddest thing was when the phone rings once. And then she's like, Please, just one more time. And you're like, Oh, no, that phone ain't ringing again. That phone is absolutely not ringing again. And it's just brutal. It's just really, really brutal because you want it so badly just like one more time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really interesting stuff going on with food in this stretch of episodes in general, like food as a communal event, uh, food as as a healthy bonding thing. Like Tomoko, I, I don't like on the one hand they have some pretty bullshit standard diet culture mm-hmm. stuff for Nanako, but like all, Tomoko is, is always really happy and well-adjusted and eats her food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though, though I will say Tomoko did bust out the, don't you think we're eating a little too much girl? Girl, please. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, like Mariko attempts to bring Nanako lunch when they're fighting. She stops eating because that's the way they interface together. And she just leaves the lunch on the bleachers. Mm-hmm. That's so not going to work. She's not going to notice. That's so sad. Oh. 
Or like the picnic basket that Nanako makes for Ray later on, too. Oh, that kind of thing of yeah. food as caring is so... It, they, they're really building it in from, I guess, starting with the cooking club stuff. It's interesting because of how much this show also leans into these girls trying to uh, uh, to form themselves to, you know, aspirational images, impossible images of femininity. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, I feel really bad for Kaoru and I understand where she's coming from. On the other hand, I do kind of half expect her to suggest that I start doing yoga for my depression. Kaoru, Kaoru is very much so the person who, if Kaoru had a Twitter, would be like, have you drank eight glasses of water today? Oh, I'm God. calling Kaoru the Pokari sweat commercial of this oh like, my God. series. <laughs> Prince Pokari. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, Kaoru, Kaoru definitely comes off like, you know, ath working it out being an athlete's gonna help um you gotta yolo through the pain uh, like it, it makes sense to me that she's clearly come so close to dying so she's like i'm going to appreciate every second of my life i i i assume she's been told that she will die young so she gets angry at other people who she thinks of as you know not disabled who aren't appreciating what they have because they do not because they are not sick like she is, and she is also a teenager who is learning to empathy. But also, please, uh. I can I can kind of see Kalaru's uh, mentality though, because that is definitely a way people will respond to like finding out. Yeah, you're, it's like you're probably not going to live long. You better do some exercise to keep your health up. Um, you know, generally people who find out, uh, this is for people who are older, but you know, in their thirties and forties, like, oh yeah, uh, you should actually start taking walks and not be so sedentary. And then, you know, suddenly people are running marathons because they're just like, I just don't want to be, uh, I just don't want my heart to fail. <laughs> like that really happens technically. So. Oh yeah. No, I, I fully understand that. I think she just gets judgy of other people because she's angry about what's happened to her and also she's a teenager yeah yeah i just have to ask where is the adult in this situation <laughs> like, <'cause> uh, like <laughs> uh the the, the no. adult the adult is uh the teacher who's saying we had been digging in silence perhaps an hour and a half where <laughs> when the dog began to bark loudly oh my god between that and the scene where like they're talking about someone cutting the wheat with a scythe <laughs> like i was just like Those are the, adults. the europeness of this section went up to 12 oh yeah like, i yes we are still technically in japan but it seems as though these uh students study nothing but european literature and history and french and german mm -hmm. at one point i think someone was speaking in german or maybe that was french Sorry it was French. Uh, Europeans. <laughs> yeah, Ray speaks in French on and off, and lives on a French street. Apparently, I was just her French is surprisingly not as terrible as you would expect for an anime. I'm impressed. Also, uh, just so you know, it's the apartment building is a French name. I think it was yeah. like La Macelle, Macelle or something. Right, it's this, this star building or something to that effect. It was. It. It's. It is the most French school, uh, not French school, the most European school, like, that these kids found in the city. And it is funny mm -hmm. <laughs> to, like, it almost takes you out of it degree, but, like, this stuff could not happen at, like, a Japanese public school. <laughs> it kind of has to be the setting. Um, it kind of adds to, the, like, the drama. It's very good. You know what I noticed, mm -hmm. though? Um, Nanako's parents are like aesthetically very japanese looking you know mm -hmm. like her her mom and dad both dress not not like super traditional japanese but they dress in like what in the time would be considered a typical japanese dad japanese mom kind yeah. of look because her mom is all, almost always in a kimono mm -hmm. like there's some episodes where you feel like it's all just super european and then you get reminded that oh this actually is in japan when you see nanako's mom yeah it's uh 
uh, I what what did D say in the in the work slack? It, this is the story of an average Japanese teenager who got isekai'd into a soap opera. <laughs> yeah. God, I want to know what the title of this one is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, and what's interesting to me is like, in addition to Nanako's parents and Nanako's home, there's a lot of Japanese uh, culture centered around Fukiko too, which oh is interesting mm. to oh me. Oh my god, Fukiko! Uh, like, yeah, because yeah. uh, like uh, when they're doing the study section session. Tomoko and uh, Nanako talk about Shakespeare and they're talking about Western lit. Uh, but during the study section, Fukiko specifically drills Nanako on Japanese poems and like uh, Ame no Kagayama and the works of uh, Otomo no Yakamochi, the Sonnet of Spring specifically. And also, Diana, I would love if you could talk more about flower symbolism. I couldn't tell if uh, the, the flowers on Fukiko's dress are meant to be uh, chrysanthemums? They are chrysanthemums. Oh, that's yes. interesting because that's mm-hmm. oh, okay. Red chrysanthemums. The fact sometimes they're red, sometimes they're white, and it actually does tend to say something about how you should read the scene depending on the color of the chrysanthemums on her skirt. And this will continue later into the series, so I would recommend keeping track of that. That's Ooh. really interesting. Also, with later on the flowers that. Ray and Nanako have those are sweet peas and oof, mm-hmm. right? Because red sweet peas uh, in Ikebana language are for death, right? They're the, the colors of the sweet peas. It is not a particularly happy thing. It, it's an it, if I remember correctly from the last time I had to look it up, it's both mm. it's both innocence and also heartbreak. Right. Oh, uh, for listeners at home who, uh, just to clarify, chrysanthemums are used as a symbol of the Japanese imperial family. I find it interesting because they're never yellow. Like, they're always any color but yellow. Um, Typically typically purple for the royal family. Mm. mm. Putting it out there, but... Gotcha. Also, Fukiko has some hydrangeas going on. That's just... Okay, sis... Explain for the listeners at home. Uh, so hydrangeas can often be seen as a flower of pride, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Like when you consider that hydrangeas are actually kind of a fussy flower to grow. Hydrangeas change their color based on the acidity of the soil. So different acidity, different hydrangea colors. And hydrangeas, like I mean, it's a very common sight in Japan, especially during mm-hmm. the rainy season. Um, but they're kind of a fickle flower in that way because, like. It takes, like, you if you want a certain color, you really have to cultivate things very specifically um, for all for all hydrangeas, regardless of where you live. Um, but as a flower of pride, it kind of fits Fukiko, especially seeing how, like, she treats her dun-dun-dun sister <laughs> later this episode. Oh. Ray was the first ciscon. <laughs> You're welcome for that cursed thought. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could have gone my entire life without ever having that thought, but now it's just going to live rent free. <laughs> Thank you. Live rent free. Thank you for that one. My sister can't. My little sister can't be this edgy. Oh. I, oh my god. Uh, That's a spinoff. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of actually this stretch of episodes wondering: Are we? So are we not meant to understand that Ray is chronically ill like Kaoru is and she's just uh, slowly neglecting herself to death? Is that a distinction we were meant to draw? I, I think it felt like you were supposed to just draw the conclusion that like Ray is just sick. But like not in a sick that's like a way t- that you should have empathy for yeah there's a lo- boy there's a lot going on with ableism in this boy uh-huh. like ray just like refusing i feel like it's also just a thing with like ray being obviously quite mentally ill and just taking that out on everything about her surroundings and the way that she treats herself like there's there's some stuff going on there Mm-hmm. yeah yes yes the stuff is where her sister is her dom and a bad dom 
yeah i don't like i don't like this dynamic someone's safe word i mean is <laughs> i'm wondering if well i guess Fukiko kind of understands the dynamic huh like she'd have to at this point she, i think i think it's very evident by like the end of um oh god what episode was it all these episodes blend together in the most glorious way mm. i like when she basically is like oh i think what it's um episode 13 like i think when ray and fukiko have that confrontation like it became evident to me i was like oh she understands <laughs> like mm-hmm. heck but, the whole thing with good. leaving ray under the tree knowing that she was going to just stand there in the rain forever that was just one of the most spectacularly cruel things like listen i would also not be jazzed if my sister was uh very romantically obsessed with me fair enough but also you don't maybe you don't try to passively kill her well and that just feels like something maybe you talk out like maybe you order like pizza and you sit down and say hey Notice you got a crush on me. It's a lot. Let's get therapy together. You don't like leave your sister out in the rain. <laughs> I'm about to move you. into an, a, a lonely I'm, apartment with no electricity. I'm about and, to call and again. just mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a line that I flagged up in like episode eight that I have to assume is going to come around because boy, do I not like Fukiko right now, but I've watched this kind of show before and I have to assume we're going to come around at the end of the show where she's actually also very sad, uh, where she has some kind of line in episode eight to uh, Misaki, the Ojo character about uh, don't become a victim of your own manipulations. And I'm just going to flag that up right now as it's going to come back in an ironic way. Oh yeah. That's going to come back for sure. That's a boomerang. Just waiting for it to come back. You know, Ray's Ray's apartment is empty. Um, their uh, fridge has nothing but frozen pe- expired frozen pizzas. My um, my assessment is that Ray is a gamer. My God, Ray's just got Totinos and no dreams. <laughs> you know what? Well, Totinos are the food of lesbians, so that does track. Okay, that explains a lot about me. (laughs) Like, not to be too rude or anything here, but looking at Ray's fridge and things, I'm just thinking, oh no, this poor child has been living off of nothing but depression meals for like God knows how long. And it's it's interesting because like Ray is someone you should clearly so much sympathize with. Because, like, they are using medicinal drugs as a way of coping. But, like, in an unironic way, Ray is still a character that, like, today people have a lot of trouble, I think, sympathizing with, even in modern media. Yeah, it's true. No one likes a character who is doing drugs, but is not sympathetic in the right ways. Whereas, like, mm. I look at Ray and I'm like, oh my god, somebody please help this child. Like, they are struggling. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with the depiction of the drugs. Because I know part of it may be down to Japan and the much higher, you know, taboo around drug usage. But it's, I think, part of that confusion I had with whether she has chronic illness or whether we're meant to understand that you know she could be healthy if she just try and do some yoga uh is a lot of what she takes are sedatives and pain pills and what sound like over-the-counter type things or things that would be used to ease pain so it's it's almost like oh is how much of this is admonishing her for not doing you know healthy exercise things to uh as opposed to relying on pills and you know all of that folded in stuff i don't know it's just i don't have an answer to that i'm just talking aloud mm-hmm. i don't know i i find it difficult to do anything but feel just empathy and sorrow for ray for having been obviously left behind by everybody and for being so obviously hurting that despite all of the love ray can only focus on the hatred mm-hmm. although i do feel really i really feel for Kaoru too because She loves her. She does. And she's angry because like, 
like she has her own health issues and obviously that is playing into it but also i can really sympathize with how scary it must be when you love someone and you're doing everything to try and help them and it seems like the person you love doesn't want to live and you aren't worth them like you aren't worth continuing to live to them apparently like that must be so hard well and i i I will say that's that's the one thing that dear brother really hits on the head is like the weird uneasy liminality of being a teenager dealing with like having a friend who is just suicidal in a very like not in the like kind of dare dangerous way of like they're gonna jump like but in the way of like they just don't really like existing and existing is very hard for them and like having to confront like yeah one day they might be gone and like that is a very I think that's a very real teenage thing that hasn't really changed of Mm -hmm. like it's a very scary hard to know what to do thing especially when you yourself are also a teenager trying to figure out these very big existential questions while dealing with your own health um because ray ray is someone like they are someone who's very much so in this constant liminal state of like kind of almost unexisting like i think about that scene where um kaoru and ray kind of are talking to each other and like kaoru is just like hey throw the volleyball back down and like (laughs) the staging on like it looking like ray's about to jump and it turns out like they end up just kind of sitting falling like half sitting on the banister like ray is (laughs) protect ray you know what ray never did anything wrong forget mariko ray didn't do anything wrong thank you (laughs) ray is the, the real listeners know that I'm still here for Mariko, though. Oh. <laughs> so many of this cast is just full of pe- people who deserve better than what they have. Just they're surrounded by all of this opulence, but what they really kind of need emotionally, they're lacking in. And it's like starting to feel it by this point in the series, I think it's starting to feel like you're seeing that the sheer splendid opulence of sorority in the school are starting to feel a little bit more like a prison in some ways. As yeah. All of the, uh, the imagery from what I, I, I assume must've been purposeful. They, I keep trying to keep up with the literary references and boy, am I not catching them all, but y'all I'm trying at home. The, uh, the lady of Shalott imagery in Ray's dream hurt me in my heart. Which, uh, for those of you who may or may not know, that's a uh, a Alfred Tennyson poem from eighteen thirty three about a woman in a who weaves a loom and uh, you know she looks into a mirror and she's all alone in this tower uh, and eventually she climbs down from the tower gets in a boat filled filled with flowers uh, and when she floats beautifully into town she's dead but uh, when when people finally encounter her. Mm. Ray's not making it through this series, are they? No. Oh, no. <laughs> so sad. Like I'd say like they're here for a good time, not a long time, but also They're not this having isn't, a good time. They're not having a good time. <laughs> not a good time at all. Not a good time at all. Uh though I, I will say y'all Ray put all their points into dexterity cuz the way they were handling that knife during that scene. Oh jeez. Damn. Oh no. So uh so does anybody want I have to assume we will be getting other renditions of the whole lover suicide thing who's got who wants how do we somebody Yes uh, What happened there? It it was actually a quite tragic scene, wasn't it? I'm like, tapping out on this one. I because can't... of the spoilers. Yes. <laughs> you you will find out more about this, and I cannot tell you anything about how I feel about this without without ruining it because I have more knowledge than you. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I've watched an anime. This is so fractiously told that we will absolutely be getting another point of view that retextualizes it completely. But like ow. Big ow. I I think that the end of every episode 
where Nanako says, dear brother, the tears just won't stop. And I'm like, yes, that's the audience watching this. We're all just like crying inside constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and poor, poor Ray is so genuinely not well. I, I would buy if this show wanted to turn it around on me and be like, she had a psychotic episode and was a danger to herself and her sister because the, uh, the, the clock tower scene just happened. And see, it's interesting because, like that, that scene very much so felt like someone who's just hurting a lot, like someone who is hurting a lot had. And I don't, I don't like the phrase "mental break." It feels quite ableist to me, and I don't know a better term. Right. Well, I mean, when I say psychotic break, I mean in the genuine medical sense. Right. Yeah, like- yeah, okay, I, yeah, psychotic break. Like it, it hurts so much because, like you can sense and i mean like there is the fact that like there is this pseudo incestual like layer to it but like ray just really also very clearly loves their sibling and just really clearly wants their sibling to like maybe like them and maybe pay a little bit attention Mm -hmm. and it's just like really sad because like the 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 yearning in Ray's voice, like during that scene, which I just have to say, uh, Retro Crush did not set this scene up well because, like, in the description of the episode, they do say that tormented Ray retreats to the clock tower and takes too much drugs. <laughs> I suppose it's not Christ. Like, that isn't necessarily wrong, but. <laughs> like, first of all, Retro Crush, don't give away the spoiler in the description. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I that does not at all. That takes away a lot of nuance from, I think, what's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Too much drugs. Uh, going back to the Freud business, uh, another thing that I am. I, I'm not mad about it because the series is so old, but I am kind of fascinated by the uh, the sort of thing that tends to crop up in depictions of uh, of lesbian characters in older works where they are somehow confused or gone wrong or traumatized so that they are confusing sisterly affection with romantic affection. And I, I see that. I will be interesting to interested to see what the series does with that idea because it's clearly stepping in that arena. And Yuri has never stopped. Stop, Yuri. And it's it's always interesting to me because like y'all, I don't have a sibling, but I'm gonna assume that this is just not something that like happens. Like As someone with siblings, no. <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's the most baffling trope to me. Because like I just yeah. I get it in so far as I think it appeals to single children where it's where you have the fantasy of somebody who's known you your whole life and is kind of duty bound to always be close to you in theory. And like, I, I see where it comes from, but uh, uh, stop. But also as a only child myself, no. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> for real. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the... All of that, like, uh, to a certain extent, I have a little bit of, I or I would have some theoretical sympathy for Fukiko if she wasn't, again, trying to kill her sister. Yeah, it's, Fukiko's not a nice sibling. Fukiko needs help. Everybody needs help. I Dear brother, need everyone help. Dear brother, but with everybody managing to go to therapy would be a very different series. We, we talk about drug use in, you know, Dear Brother with Ray, but can we also talk about the fact that all the all the girls are just drinking alcohol? Like, yes! <laughs> they can slizzard. Yeah, there's oh so God. much alcohol. I think it's like, interesting that the alcohol use almost always seems to be tied to the sort of scene where the girls are just trying to prove, look, I am an adult. This is me being an adult. It's and then it's them. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut off me just going, blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, <laughs> my brain. No, 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 I see mm-hmm. what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 quite interesting because, like, and I, I know, I think the first time I really noticed it was, like, I think when um, Nanako goes over to Mariko's house and she's like, oh, do you want some tea with, like, brandy? <laughs> I was like, I can what? make you a Cafe Royale. And they're like, no! <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> you 
little are children. <laughs> like, like it would be one thing to have a glass of wine at dinner, you know, again, very tra- traipsing in European-ness, but yeah, no, the cafe, the, the brandy, though. I mean, Marco, Marco should have just been like, you want a hot toddy, kid? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. But it is kind of playing into that, like, we are not young girls. We are young women and we are adults because, like, alcohol is a mark of, like, maturity. But also, like, none of these kids, no, none of these kids should be hitting the bottle. Yeah, I have to kind of. I have to wonder if Fukiko was drunk in that last scene that we watched in this batch because that's yeah. that scene is so interesting. Mm-hmm. When Fukiko lets down any of the barriers, it is intense. Mm-hmm. That's that scene of first of all, she hands over a lily, which uh, I felt triumphant <laughs> about because the term Yuri was not uh, coined until the early two thousands. But l- look, it's a yonic flower. It's a yonic flower, and here it is. Yeah, and it is here associated with the work. Uh, but but yeah, that very interesting central mystery of why was Nanako chosen for the sorority was it's one of those things where so much weird, intense stuff had happened. I'd almost forgotten about that, and now it's a thing again. She's but it, it's it's interesting because I feel like it's such an Occam's razor thing with why mm. why Nanako was probably chosen. It's just that like she's a she's like a curious kid. Like they kinda she's kind of hard to puzzle out in a way because like Nanako is so benign that mm. she is extraordinary in how normal she is. See see I watch I watch uh the blacklist on uh Netflix and my thought is she has a she has a past. <laughs> That's just James Spader tainting your brain with expectations <laughs> and his whole extremely fucky energy. My God, that man. Anyway, Entire- James Spader would be right at home in that kind of show. Entirely unrelated to any of this. Did anybody else catch those few moments in this batch where you get to one or two of the scenes that are on every Tumblr aesthetic blog and you're just yes. like, oh, it's yes. that shot. There was a shot yes, Mari of with some trees. There was a shot of Fukiko's eyes that I was like, "Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that on the aesthetic blocks." There's I'm, I'm close still... up of Mariko's eye that is the most popular aesthetic, and I was just like, "Oh yes, here it is in context." And Mariko in the bathtub. I have seen that scene with so many fake mm-hmm. subtitles all over the internet. <laughs> I I personally think it's really sad that Mariko uh, suplexing a table is not more of a thing in the culture because that's right. a good re- that that should be a reaction Jeff. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no this is a, this is a truly incredibly memeable series and i feel like not you know some of them have perpetrated uh due to h- some hard work thank you steve jones i can't wait till i see the context for be strong uh <laughs> it's gonna be beautiful wait, i'm sure wait, wait a moment wait a moment is this serious with that? Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm writing is. for. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I didn't realize that. I mean, oh I mean, god, it's I fine. It's fine that. because more people have known Be Strong than the number of people who have watched the series. What's the- Absolutely, because it wasn't available. Oh my god! I am so hot. Is this also the one with the pigeon thing? Is it- no. no, that's a different no, that's series. An that's an old Sentai series. series. Dang it. Okay, I'll take the Be Strong. Series. I'll take Be Strong. Oh my god. Y'all. <laughs> this is the most the popular. Strong thing is. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is the most popular series that almost nobody in the English speaking community has seen. I mean, because the only. It... Yeah. I mean, the only reason why I'm watching it, Be Strong. <laughs> I'm so excited to get to that. Oh my God. Okay. But then we'll have to remember the Henmi exists again, and I don't. Eh, I'm okay he's with out that. There. Yeah, that's trade off. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I uh, <laughs> what haven't we gotten a chance? I I want a shout out to that uh, scene where Nanako is being the most early '90s protagonist, where she's thinking about uh, what good friends. Kaoru and uh, Ray seem like they are as the camera pans over them embracing naked, which of course 
you know, skinship is necessary to get her temperature back up is, I assume, uh, the perfectly reasonable explanation for that. Uh, and to the show's credit, it's like, no, it seems like they have a really different relationship from uh, me and Tomoko. I don't know. Maybe it's like destiny or something. And I'm just over here like, they seem like such good friends. Oh, poor Nanako. <laughs> I am really touched, actually, by Nanako and Ray's relationship. It's mm. it's very sweet. It is. I kind of like, I kind of hope. I kind of hope they date. Oh, I kind of hope they date. I think Ray deserves to be happy. Like out of all the characters in this series, like Ray, they deserve some happiness. <laughs> Please. I mean, very into the fact that we have the dandy character and the butch character dating each other. That that does warm my heart. Mm, that's that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know. I. I'm cl- I'm tracking as we go along how the show, how much the show is able to go up to the line and dealing with its queerness. And actually, you know, kudos to it for being more overt about the positive uh, relationships in Ray's life versus where it continues to be deliberately muddy, I think, in terms of her very fucked up devotion to uh, Fukiko and where that came from. And yeah. Speaking of that, one of the things I found interesting in this batch is that you can see the turning point from Mariko be from Mariko well, that you can see the turning point for Mariko after the incredibly intense and messed up stuff with Nanako when Kaoru starts doing something. And it's just like when Kaoru starts talking with Mariko and you're just like, oh, okay. Mariko is now seeing what a healthy crush looks like. We got this. Yeah. I'm so happy for her. That's the beta ship. Like, for sure. Like, that's... that. Oh, God, that's such a good... That's so good. Oh, yeah. When Kaoru offered to help her study, I was like, yes! Yes, girl, you deserve this! Her excitement... Mariko's excitement about, like, a healthy relationship was so refreshing. Because, like, girl girl needs it like oh she was so happy to study <laughs> so mm-hmm. wonderful and the love even the lover suicide stuff i gave you know i know this anime was made in the 90s but as a 70s thing goes that's such a 70s we're trying to sneak in some positivity under the radar like oh they died but and then nanako's like well but but they sounded like they were so happy and they loved each other so much and i'm like oh Oh, we're trying to shift the, the, oh, I don't know. It made me weirdly nostalgic, which is fucked up probably. Hey, it's what I do all the time, right? I mean, you, I feel tropes. like I feel like a lot of this really does need to be taken in context. And I don't think there's anything wrong with appreciating something that by modern standards has a lot of issues, but in the context of its time was revolutionary. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And that's how I feel about this series. That's how I feel about a lot of the things in this series. Yeah, it's it's just it's especially interested as something that is time shifted to twice over for us as v- modern viewers. You know, a 70s manga made into a 90s anime watched in 2022. It's really interesting. But I, I but I think it's exactly that like I think so often and i think that there's there's certainly critique to be made of tropes that like at the time were still harmful but i think sometimes it is all right to say like this really meant a lot to people and acknowledge that like it had a certain effect and also say like oh very fraught you know there's some problems here but like i think of a lot of the stuff i consumed as a teenager in high school like i was really into rent same same hat and like rent now from a 2022 perspective and from me as a 29 year old i'm like oh no this is not this is just not um but like to high school me it meant a lot because i didn't have a lot of gay friends i didn't have a lot of queer friends i didn't have lesbian friends or trans friends so like it was kind of my first exposure to what life as not being straight could be like um and i like i said 
very fraught, I think, now. But, like, I also think it's all right to like things that maybe don't age well or, like, you know, have have a degree of fraughtness. But that also, like, encourage you to be a better version of you or be a more earnest, true version of you, who you always were. Yeah. Hmm. Form. Sure. (laughs) No, no, I, I think... I think that's nice. And I think this is something that we often come back to on the podcast with Shoujo, right? Where it seems like sometimes older shonen ages better than older Shoujo. I think we talked about this a lot way back towards the beginning of this podcast when we covered Fushigi Yugi, which, boy, has that may have aged worse than this series in some ways. Uh, but, you know, it's that thing of, okay, you can go back and watch old shonen and it doesn't have stuff that leaks leaps immediately out as an outdated thought because it never tried in the first place you know so I mean, do we do we laud it for leaving these things discussion of these things out altogether versus shoujo which is trying to be on the cutting edge and then if immediately ages itself chiaki you were saying i mean you know when you look at one piece uh if anything it's gotten worse as time go- goes on true True, 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 true. You're right. I mean, I guess I'm thinking of like the uh, like the really old, you know, Fist of the North Star stuff where there is yes. one female character. Yes. I I love vintage sci-fi so much. So I'm just sitting here thinking about all the series where I'm like, I love these girls. Please treat them better. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It makes me wish I didn't like vintage sci-fi so much. It's tough. And I guess like, I don't always want to deal with those those outdated things. But it makes me feel a little bit protective when people bag harder on a show that at least tried. You know, there's something to be said for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like in this case, it might be just more of a more of a um, thing about intent versus execution. Like, mm-hmm. I'm much more willing to give things leeway if you can tell that they were really done with the best possible intentions at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it helps in dear brother's case for the sake of its longevity, that it's so heightened. Like I find these, we've talked a lot about how relatable some of these emotions are, you know, or to how it felt at the time, but also, also Mariko flips a table and stops eating for five days. And Ray carries daggers around and throws them at people. Yeah. And like, let's be real. Like those, those aren't great attributes. <laughs> Those aren't great at all. Okay, like it's so extra. Mercedes, you you defend Mariko. I'm going to defend Ray. I think everyone should ho- carry a couple of knives in their breast pocket, <laughs> especially if they're such pretty knives. Yeah, they're good knives. The good knives. They're good knives. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. I think I, I think I only go so hard for Mariko because, like, I remember feeling very strongly in high school and i y'all i don't know if it's good to say that i think i see some of myself in mariko <laughs> like my past I, self i absolutely I, see my past self yeah, in mariko I, I, you're I, good i, oh, I, I absolutely yeah. see myself in ray so yeah i want to clarify past self like a much more chill person now <laughs> oh, it's good stuff oh god i love it it's good, and I, I am coming around to, you know, last time I said, maybe you should get this series if you're kind of interested. Uh, now I'm just going to go ahead and say you should uh, buy this series. You should go out and you should buy it. Oh, yeah. I, I, keep it tweeting, I keep tweeting that I'm like, you, if you think you can handle the content, get this. It is a masterpiece. You will not regret it, provided you can handle that the content warning level is set somewhere in between Utna and Berserk. Yep, that's accurate. <laughs> God, I can't wait to get to the end of the series and someday make you y'all y- y- watch Utana. It's oh, the delight, the delight. <sighs> because my God, I just can't help but see Ikuhara sitting in the corner taking notes. Oh, you haven't even gotten to some of the parts that Utana very clearly cribbed from, and I say that with love. I will say, after watching like fifteen episodes of this. I kind of can see why people like Utna. I don't really know anything about it other than someone's got pink hair. There's a lot of roses. I think someone turns into a car at some point. That's what I know. Like, but like, you're not wrong. I can understand why people would find that appealing. 
Yeah. Word. It's a tantalizing glimpse of the future. Let's see. Is there anything that we haven't covered over the course of this batch that y'all wanted to talk about? I'm wondering if Nanako's slowly getting absorbed into this world. Mm. I think it's interesting that this batch leaves off with Nanako admitting to that other girl whose name I am blanking on because I have issues. Uh, Nakaya. Thank you. ADHD time. It's fine. (laughs) But yeah, when she ends up saying, actually, I don't really like the sorority all that much. It's like Nanako both giving into the way that things feel, but also being willing to admit that no, some of this is in fact mm-hmm. deeply screwed up. Uh-huh. It is. Oh yeah, we didn't even we didn't even get into the whole expulsion plot and I, all of the stuff tied up into it's your fault for getting sick. I was just about to say that was such a brutal scene of like, you can mail me your resignation within a week. Sis oh got sick. Like and the fact that Nanako stands up for her <laughs> it does nothing. It's just Nanako's like... Nanako's a good girl. I mean, Nanako it does nothing in the sense... It does nothing in the sense that Nanako didn't get expelled herself, which is probably a, sta- a testament to her more than yeah. anything. Yeah. Like, oh, gosh. To the fact that... I, I think where I'm settling with uh, with Fukiko right now on my future predictions is self-loathing lesbian who is trying to conform to heteronormativity, but is also, you know... Uh, really basking in this whole lording over a uh, society of young maidens thing while she can. Uh, if we're doing um, uh, predictions, I'm saying Nanako is a cousin of um, Fukiko and Rei. That's 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 that's, that's, that's my that's my uh, um, quid in the pot. You know, nice. I'm gonna say next arc. Sororicide is gonna happen because he. Oh damn! I just don't think there's just some flags. I'm like, I don't know, Fukiko making it to the end. <laughs> like, I, don't, I really don't. My prediction really is all just going down in a shower of blood. Just, My prediction is that sometime by the end of this series, y'all are going to cry. Oh, as if I already haven't. <laughs> It'll take a lot for me to cry. I don't cry at it for anything. It's true. She didn't cry at the end of Princess Tutu. <gasps> oh dang! been so beautifully though she's we're, hardcore we're emotionally dead so good luck i will cry i enjoy crying it's oh, good feels so good it is although i may not cry i tell you I, I i am the stereotype of the person on t who now has a harder time crying at things so we'll see do your best dear brother <laughs> this is I'm. I can't say anything about how intense I find this series, but it is going to be a lot. I also want to lay down. I'm pretty sure uh, Nanako's adopted. We about to find that out this next arc. You know what? Good. Good guess. Good guess. I don't think those are her real parents at all. Nice. Yes, I approve of this. Mm-hmm. All right. Make it real sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note, uh, you're going to get your wish, if I understand anything. Oh, no. <laughs> that uh, that will wrap us up on episode two of our Dear Brother Watch Along. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners and readers of the transcript at home. If you are following along with us next time, we will be doing episodes 16 through 23, because I was informed 24 and 25 need to be watched together uh, by Diana. If you liked this episode, you can always find more from the team in your ears and on the page at animefeminist.com. If you really liked what you heard, consider tossing us a dollar a month on Patreon. Uh, For a dollar a month, you can vote in polls to help us decide on future episodes of the podcast. If you, you know, for three bucks a month, you can help suggest, you you can make suggestions for what's going to be on those polls. We have bonus episodes on our Patreon for our $5 folks, and we have a Discord. It's all very exciting. We also have a store at animefeminist.com slash store where we have uh, cute stickers and mugs and shirts and all kinds of neat stuff. All of your support really goes a long way to helping us 
pay our contributors, our editors, and to keep making new and cool stuff and, you know, making sure we're up to date on things like accessibility and transcripts and things that just have to happen for the site to function. You can find us on our social media at tum uh, on Tumblr. We are Anime Feminist, and we are on Twitter at Anime Feminist. Thank you so much for joining us, Anafem. And indeed, I am going to leave so that I can try to stop crying. <laughs>